listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure, complex topics explained simply, from the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes, by way the curbs and streets we design. City Engineering touches your life in so many ways, explained right now in Everyday Engineering. A pandemic, Wisconsin winter, a growing need, and time. All challenges city agencies took head on and overcame to whip together a temporary homeless shelter for single men in our community. Not only was the task a big bite, but the city pulled it off in seven weeks. Seven, yes. My name is Hannah Molinitsky. I'm the Public Information Officer for the City of Madison Engineering Division and your host of this podcast. And here to share how all of our city agencies pulled together in a tight pinch to help those in need it the most in our community. Lynette Rhodes, Community Development Grants Supervisor, and Stephen King, the Engineering Division Facilities Services Coordinator, both here from the City of Madison. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Absolutely. So Lynette, can you get us started with sharing what you do for the city and what role you had in this temporary shelter? Sure. So I am one of the managers in the city's Community Development Division. So I manage the city's what we call the Community Development Block Grant Unit. That unit gets all of the federal funds from HUD um, that support a lot of our um, housing policy and strategies. So that means that we oversee all of our homeless services. So previously, before the pandemic, um, Porchlight operated out of the basement of churches, mostly um, Grace Church on Main Street and, Street, and then we had two kind of overflow shelters. In probably around February, um, staff kind of started coming to me and talking about the need for space and social distancing and what do we do when this pandemic hits Madison. So we began talking with the city's EOC, the Emergency Operations Center, with engineering and said, okay, we have two strategies. One, we started moving um, very vulnerable people into hotels and two, help us find a temporary shelter. And they did. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Steven, what do you do and how did it cross with uh, the temporary shelter for our listeners sure. who aren't familiar with you. Sure. So um, I am with the engineering division in our facilities group. Um, we are the unit that kind of does all of the day-to-day -day maintenance in most, not all, but most of the city buildings, police stations, fire stations, engineering, uh, streets. Uh, there's a whole list of them. So in our group, we have plumbers and electricians and, you know, folks that can build and fix just about anything. Um, we also have a custodial group that similarly cleans a lot of things and so kind of those those skills when it came time to find a building and make it ready for this purpose um, that group came you know we were front and center in it absolutely and uh, the initial ask let's start at the beginning so what was the initial ask and how did we respond who wants to start I'll start since I think we we made the, made initial, the initial ask. ask yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so so I mentioned you know uh, you know we had uh, the men's shelter was in the basement of churches. Um, so we recognized you know looking at the CDC guidance um, for making sure people were able to social distance, making sure people had access to restrooms to wash your hands, you know, stay safe, that kind of stuff. It is very difficult to just have that directive of stay home, wash your hands when you don't have a home. So we recognize the need for expanded space and consolidating our services. So again, Porchlight was operating out of three basements, um, really being able to consolidate to one place and have their staff all come together 
we knew that we would most likely be able to serve more individuals. And with the pandemic, knowing that housing was going to be a good concern, that we would have to make sure that people who are coming into homelessness have a place to go. We wanted to set up a larger shelter. We did um, start vetting lots of different places. We toured lots of different places. Um, you know, we reached out to other community partners, but ultimately it came down to the city really having to step up and take a city facility because time was kind of against us and we needed to do it um, quickly. So we went from um, downtown, mm -hmm. then we moved to Warner Park, correct? Mm -hmm. And then why did we, then we went from Warner Park, which was perfectly fine, but we were outgrowing it, correct? So, so yes, with winter coming, so we had colder weather coming. Um, we did not know how the eviction moratorium was going to pan out. Um, so kind of thinking about the future uses and the needs for shelter, Warner Park could serve about 135 men um, when we initially set it up. And we stayed um, about um, actually well below those numbers. I think we were averaging about you know 90 men a night um, at the Warner Park shelter. But we knew as cold weather came, that was going to increase. Um, so we kind of looked at two possibilities, increasing space at Warner Park, but then again, we have some social distancing issues um, of kind of increasing those spaces there. Um, and, you know, just making sure that, you know, we can have, you know, appropriate beds um, for the individuals. So that's when a second um, site search began through our engineering department. And then that brings us to First Street. To First Street, absolutely. So Which, what did we do? Well. What didn't we do, What didn't Stephen? we do? So the challenge with First Street, um, you know, and it was actually, it was a challenge and kind of an opportunity all at once is that the fleet services division was actively in that building, still conducting their daily business as they had been for decades. Um, but it just happened to work out that they were also going into a brand new building that had just opened up on the north side. Um, and so what we did is basically as they were moving out, um, you know, I mean, literally as they were moving out, we were moving in behind them to bring the shelter because the building did provide a lot more space um, and a lot more you know, opportunity to serve this, this need in a, a positive way. So then once we were in, our crews got busy doing all sorts. Can all you kind of talk us through what did we do? So um, kind of one of the, the most interesting ones that we did was because this was a garage, you know, a municipal garage where they fix cars and trucks, um, there weren't shower facilities or many bathroom facilities because it's kind of a lightly staffed building in the use that it was designed for. But, um, you know, in a shelter use, we were going to need significantly more uh, bathrooms and showers. So what we, you know, we very quickly had to go learn about semi-trailers. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we bought two semi-trailers, um, one of which we turned into a restroom trailer and the other we turned into a shower trailer. And we did it that way because in the future, um, when we move to the next location, wherever that may be, we can kind of just pick up and bring our bathrooms with us. Um, sure. And that makes, you know, because it's not an uncommon problem for the bathrooms to be in, you know, not up to the level that a shelter would need in a building. Um, so yeah, we had to learn about what's, what are the differences in semi-trucks. We ended up with what's called a reefer, which is an old refrigerated semi-truck. Um, and we did that because it had thicker walls that we could, you know, bolt things to and would stand up a little better. So pop-up, shower, pop-up, bathrooms. Yep, absolutely. Because we needed 
we needed those facilities to support the amount of people that we were going to be hosting in this space. Correct. So then on top of that, then we also, I mean, everything from things like bathroom and shower to bunk beds. Yep. How almost 200 or 200, 250? Yeah, we can um, between. So we ended up uh, purchasing a whole lot of bunk beds. And so that was a, you know, a challenge to get that through um, the purchasing, uh, you know, process. Sure. Then we also had to do, um, you know, one of the, the other silly ones that was just, we never thought about it until we were neck deep in it was because this had been a garage for 50 years or some or number of decades. Long. Yeah, right. very long time. Um, the floor, as you can imagine, was kind of a mess. Yes. Um, you know, oil and tires and whatnot had been in there. Uh, so it, it took quite a cleaning effort to get the building ready. And it was power washing and then a garage scrubber and a street sweeper and the whole nine. So we really had to get creative with getting the building ready. Yes. I think that that was when I went to visit and, and kind of get capture the, the madness that was happening. Wonderful madness of hard work um, was... We were, you know, filling in the cracks, setting up the bunk beds, making sure everything was clean, sanitized, everything. I mean, this building is huge. And so making sure that it is safe, clean, and ready to be lived in, at least for a temporary perspective, is, is a huge undertaking. And, and all of this, this whole process, seven weeks, that's unheard of to be able to flip a, a, a space to be livable in that amount of time, it took everything that we had, didn't it? Can you speak to the cross cross agency work that this took? I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. So I think I I was also very stunned um, of the work that engineering did, and um, when I walk through the building, always surprised, and so always going to be thankful for them. Um, so where we really kind of come together is the city's community development division really is some funding source for this. And so we also have to be on the same page of what do we have funding for? What do we have the capacity for? And then what are they able to do? And sometimes those are good conversations. Sometimes those are bad conversations. <laughs> um, but really, that's, you know, we are making sure that we have a contractor that can run that space. So we, you know, the, the city um, is very proud that we set this up. We couldn't do it with Porchlight and other service providers that are encouraging people now to go to First Street. I think you know that's the key is there's a lot of unknowns um, you know individuals who are homeless don't know sometimes that the shelter has moved around the city so we've had a lot of community partners who have you know talked about this new space have talked up this new space because they've done such a wonderful job of renovating it um, that more people are starting to feel comfortable going into this shelter setting that Porchlight's been able to lower some of the barriers of entering into shelter because of this space that they've set up. Sure. Let's talk about the need a little bit. Um, bigger picture here. What is the need for homeless services in the city of Madison right now? Sure. So, um, you know, the pandemic has really kind of, you know, changed the numbers for us a bit. Um, I was just actually talking to Stephen before of pre-pandemic, if someone would have said, you know, what is the need of beds in our community? We probably would have said, you know, we need a shelter of maybe 165 beds um, of, you know, serving men through, throughout winter. Um, currently, right now, even though, you know, the first street is set up for 250 beds, um, we only have an average of about 110 men using that shelter. So we have space that we can continue to house men, 
but we have 140 single men also staying in hotels in our community. So that is another program that we operate with Dane County of putting high risk people into um, hotels and keeping them out of the shelter system. If we didn't have that program, we would be at our 250 mark during this pandemic. So, you know, moving forward and thinking about the national statistics had told us that the pandemic would increase homelessness by 40%. We have seen exactly that. And so we need to move forward. We need a permanent site for a men's shelter. I think we can all agree in our community that going back to the churches and going back into basements um, is not what we need, need to see in our community. So the city is moving forward again in, with Dane County on those next steps of purchasing a building, getting it set up, looking at at least you know a spot for 250 men to have a place to not only stay at night, but also we aim to make sure that they can have support services around them 24 seven. I think that gives purpose to what we do here in engineering. I mean, I think a lot oh, of people, God, yes. they, they think they, they, I think on the surface, when you hear engineering and we're, we're doers, we do, we get it done, we build it, we maintain it. You know, someone's got to build it, someone's got to clean it, somebody's got to maintain um, and get it done. But when you're, when you're putting together a project like this one that really hits purely, as cliche as it sounds, home um, and really has some serious life-changing impacts on people, yeah. it really does make a difference. Does, Absolutely. I guess, what do you, what, how does that make the work different? You know, the, I think the work that we do is very important and critical anyway. You know, I, everything that engineering does is very important to kind of the functioning of our city. Um, but this one felt perhaps a little more immediate. You know, that when we walked out of there, people were going to literally be coming in off the street and having a place to sleep and get a warm meal. Um, and that really did kind of, um, you know, it put some, some force behind it. It felt a little different, um, much more urgent. Could you tell with the cruise? Oh, absolutely, I could tell with the cruise. You know, it was the, the sort of situation where, you know, no, no wasn't in anybody's vocabulary. It was, okay, how are we gonna figure it out and do it? And it did, I mean, it was a project that kind of stretched us pretty thin. Um, you know, it took, it was a big lift, but we were able to get it done, and I think that extra motivation was part of why. And the use since um, has been, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, 100, 110, it's a lot of people in in a space and and I know we have space but also considering I don't think people often associate staying in a hotel as homeless per se but um, I guess can you give an idea of what it means to be homeless in the city of Madison right now I guess to help quantify and and help people understand the, the serious need because I think if, if we don't if we don't hit it on the head, we don't we don't know accurately what it really means. We just have this idea of what if it if it hasn't ever impacted someone or in any way. Yeah, I, I can tell you of um, the situations that we hear about um, of individuals, and it's right now it's a scary situation to be homeless in Madison. Um, it's full of anxiety. Um, you know. If you're in a hotel or you're even individuals that are unsheltered right now, I mean, there are individuals who right now are, are nervous and scared. There is a pandemic that is happening and they do not know um, how it will affect them. We know that um, people who are homeless 
most likely are at higher risk of having impacts because of COVID-19, because of previous health conditions. Um, so I think there is anxiety and there's fear and there's the unknown. I think not just people who are homeless, we have a lot of people in our community who also are just facing housing insecurity. And so I think that you know, the more that we can support our community organizations and making sure that we can keep people in their homes. Um, you know, we know that the CDC eviction moratorium was extended, but we need landlords to continue to work with their tenants because if somebody is unable to keep their housing and they do not have any other resources or you know, family support around them, they are going to go into this system. And what we have found right now is people are staying homeless just a little bit longer. So because even if somebody has, let's say, you know, a voucher that's gonna help pay for future rent, again, the pandemic is making it much more harder to access that housing on the back end. So, you know, we need that flexibility. We need landlords to kind of work with us of units that might be available, helping us move families and the singles out of this system so that we can create more space. Yes, and speaking of space, we're also putting together a shelter for families and children at Carmenta Center. Can you kind of talk about that? And engineering is involved with that as well. We roped them in. <laughs> they, they thought that they were not only gonna say, hey, Lynette, here's our plan, but we've roped them in there as well. Yes, so as we're wrapping up, but let's share, you know, as moving forward, what's going on at Carmenta and, and how will that help our community as well? Sure. So. Um, as First Street has been set up as the temporary men's shelter, right now for families, um, we do have all families staying in a hotel at this time. So again, to create space, Salvation Army turned their um, building on East Washington into a 24-7 single women's facility and moved the families out. We have just determined that, you know, it is we need a longer-term solution for the families um, during this pandemic and while Salvation Army redevelops the site that they're at now. They've already gotten approval from the city of Madison to build a purpose-built shelter um, at their East Washington location. And so the city moved forward of purchasing and we do now own the um, building on Milwaukee Street so that we can move the families out of hotels their uh, Salvation Army will move the, all of their case management services to that building. So we'll have better support systems for the families, um, much more open spaces of open dining where um, you know, services can be held and more interaction can happen for the families and the children. And so we anticipate that Salvation Army will be there um, probably mid-March of this year and stay for at least three to five years and then they would move back to, or move into another purpose-built facility. Um, and then the city would move forward with um, turning Milwaukee Street into you know, some other additional use. Sure, so work continues, Stephen. Work continues. The building's been vacant for a couple of years now and uh, it needed some TLC to get it back up and running uh, you know, for this purpose. And so that's what we're in the middle of right now. So we, that means electrical work, plumbing work. Um, Absolutely, flushing the pipes, make sure the water's safe, uh, checking the roof, um, taking care of dead trees that had come up on the property, um, you know, checking all the outlets, making sure everything's working, that the lights turn on, that the switches work. You know, just a lot of little, all of those little details, but it ended up being quite a list. Um, and we're through, the biggest chunk of it were, <laughs> 
they're not quite done yet. They're still, uh, again, kind of interestingly enough, the showers um, were the big challenge at this point, and we're, we're working through that right now. Especially um, as, again, time continues yes. to be a pressure point, but um, nothing we can't handle. Right, absolutely. Uh, anything else? Last question, um, I guess, as we look forward to the future, what are we hopeful for? What are what are the game plan? What are we, um, anything else that I didn't ask you that you wanna mention as we look forward into the future um, here in the city of Madison? I, I would just say, I think, you know, this pandemic um, really has put a spotlight on the need for homeless services. Um, you know, we were just putting a band-aid on some of our solutions before, and we need to continue having conversations about what we can do better in the future. Um, you know, we have not purchased the site for the permanent men's shelter yet, but I think we are all in recognition that we need a site. Um, and if we don't come together as a community and continue to spotlight this need, um, you know, we're just kind of gonna take a step back instead of a step forward. So I think that's my main um, takeaway from the pandemic was um, we need to create solutions for our most vulnerable populations. Otherwise, no one is paying attention. Yeah, I was, the only thing that I would add to that is, you know, I had never, um, I was fortunate enough to never had seen the basement at Grace uh, prior to this project. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was an incredible thing that the churches did providing that for uh, you know the community for so long, but having walked through there, um, you know, as part of these projects, it really brought home the need for this service. That it really was just a church basement, and that's not a sufficient place for you know the services that this community requires to get them where they need to be. Absolutely. So. Well, thank you both for all of what you have done for the community, our city. Um, and our colleagues and helping lead this. Uh, this is a really important topic that we'll continue to shine a light on and keep the conversation going. Thank you for being here today. Uh, if you have a question and you're listening to this and you want us to discuss or share more information about anything on this podcast or anything city related or engineering related, please send us a message on the City of Madison Engineering Facebook page because we're here for you every day in engineering.